you are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns with your host, Jeff Floyd. Uh, like I said, we're going to continue with, you know, the Thursday Locked On Browns. Uh, you animals who wanted one last week. Look, I traveled to two houses on Thanksgiving. I got a mom. I got a mother-in-law. Look, guys, I wasn't doing it last week. If I really, really worked, I probably could have found somebody to come in and talk draft for you guys for 20 minutes to a half hour. But uh, come on, everybody, yeah, sit down, eat some turkey. I don't want to hear the debates. All Thanksgiving Day food is good. You don't have to eat what you don't like. Hope everybody enjoyed it. But we're going back to draft Thursdays. Look, uh, 0-11, there are some bright spots. Uh, Corey Coleman's back. Uh, the much-anticipated three-year return of Josh Gordon coming back this week. Uh, you know, the fact that the Browns are actually playing some other time than 1 o'clock on a, on a Sunday is nice. Uh, Charles Rivera, uh, pretty tough defense, but it's going to be a fun game. But, uh, look, we know we're talking about the future here of this franchise. And couldn't pick a better guy here to do it today than who I brought in. Uh, had Kyle in, uh, Kyle Krabs in from NDT Scouting. Uh, it's a duo. It's a, you know, a bunch of guys over there putting out the great work that they do. Uh, Kyle's first guy brought in is my guest here this evening, Mr. Joe Marino. Joe my man, how you been? Jeff, I'm doing good, man. It's uh, it's good to be back uh, on the audio waves with you. It's been a while, Joe. And actually, I was thinking about it today. And, uh, you know, going back, you know, to 14, I mean, we talked with a lot of guys. And I'm going back, uh, Dayon Buchanan. Uh, now, here's one I remember. Devontae Adams we talked to. And yeah. he spoke with this confidence level like, I am going to do things that nobody's ever seen. He caught 130 balls his last year at Fresno, and he didn't think he did enough. And now here's a guy, and now looking at a contract as a second-round pick. Uh, you know, hey, there were some guys that didn't make it from those days, but, uh, you know, some guys that turned out to be some absolute beasts in this league. He was certainly one of them. So it's great to see. Uh, give me a little thought here. Look, uh, you know, since I've taken this over and I'm watching the Browns every week, like, I understand, trust me, I mean, you as a Bills fan know, me growing up as a Jets fan, we know what a jilted and hurt franchise is, and we know what it's like to get want the ultimate success without getting it. So I understand, you know, the, the frustration with this Browns, you know, fran, uh, fan base. But I, I look at the team that goes out every Sunday, and, you know, obviously now you have a couple key injuries. You know, uh, obviously Ogba was huge on the defensive line. You know, uh, the stalwart of the offensive line, Joe Thomas, is out. But this isn't a terrible product, and this, you know, on paper isn't your traditional 0-11 team. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, kind of in preparation for tonight, getting a look at over this depth chart, and you don't see winless a winless roster. I mean, honestly, I mean, there's there's some talent in, in, in some areas. Uh, you know, obviously the quarterback position is – is far from correct, and that's going to be your biggest detriment and some holes in this offensive line. But by and large, this isn't you know a team that you look at at the beginning of the season and say you know 0 16. In fact, when I looked at this team going into last year's draft, I was really excited about their their prospects of taking either Mitch Trubisky or Deshaun Watson because I thought the infrastructure was really good. You had a what we thought was a proven quarterback developer in Hugh Jackson an offensive line that going into the season was really solid in four out of five spots. Thought if you could plug in a guy and get some production, you know, you pair that with a really good uh, quartet. You have an up-and-coming tight end in David Njoku. And at the time, uh, the tight end that that's no, the Gary Barnage, you thought maybe he could 
gave you something as, as a reserve. And then with Corey Coleman and, and Kenny Britt outside with a bunch of young wide receivers and a duo in Duke Johnson and Isaiah Crowell last year that was pretty solid, you thought offensively all they needed was a quarterback to build with and uh, and it would take form. Well, you know, we that's why you play the games, right? You got injuries on the offensive line, receivers, you know, all kinds of issues there. Take the wrong quarterback, the running backs seem to take a step back, and and here we are. Yeah, it's it's been tough, and you know maybe obviously you know Kaiser being the fourth quarterback drafted, uh, you know maybe they went to him too early. It, it probably, I mean, I'm okay with playing a kid right from jump, but there's some situations where it doesn't work. I don't think this was one. Uh, you know, I think everybody thought it, you know Hugh could handle this, but I think Hugh could have handled it if it wasn't the fact that he was basically essentially in a college locker room. There is so many young kids here, and you know I, I just don't think there was enough veterans where it's helped Hugh. The fact that you know he doesn't get along with his front office, and you know he'll tell you as much that they do things that he's not consulted on. Uh, you know I think you know it, it's going to lead to a change there. Um, but right off, you know we'll get to the quarterback position. Uh, you know look, we have teams out there trying to tank. Cleveland isn't. It's just you know last couple of games. You know, they're close, but not just enough. I mean, I still think they're going to win at least one game before it's all done here. I thought more comfortable with the Packer game before Hundley, you know, went throw for throw with uh, Ben Roethlisberger on Sunday night. But uh, quarterback, uh, and actually, this was actually the first question we got from, you know, one of the guys who wanted to ask something here tonight, so this will help lead it off. Um, Mayfield, Rosen, Darnold, you know, how do they stack up with last year's trio of Trubisky, Watson, and Patrick Mahomes? Well... For me, going into last year's draft, my number one was Trubisky, my number two was Watson, and my number three was Nathan Peterman. So um, I really like Trubisky in terms of his accuracy to all levels of the field and his uh, his ability to throw on the move and some of his pocket points. I was a pretty big fan on him, but he was more of a an end-of-the-first-round type grade for me. And then, you know, unfortunately I didn't have a first-round grade on Deshaun Watson. He scored his very high two. Obviously, I loved the resume he put together, but for me, he had concerns with his vertical accuracy and decision-making, which turned out to be something he was able to overcome. And uh, uh, then for me, the next quarterback was Nathan Peterman because I didn't see a lot of appeal in Mahomes early. I think he's as talented as any quarterback that we're going to see come out, but he wasn't a guy that I was willing to take in the first round. I thought he was going to take a, a steep curve to get him adjusted to the NFL level. And I think, you know, you're seeing that right now with the struggles Alex Smith is having and Andy Reid's not even thinking about playing Patrick Mahomes. So uh, just off the bat, you know, I was fairly lukewarm on those quarterbacks going in. When I look at these quarterbacks, there's two that I really like, Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield. Uh, I, I, I see the intrigue with Lamar Jackson. I see the intrigue with Sam Darnold. But for me, if you know, if I'm having to take a quarterback in the top ten, the two that I feel most comfortable with is in terms of Baker and Sam, or excuse me, Baker and Josh Rosen. And then if you, the next guy for me is probably Lamar Jackson. But uh, I, I, I might like this group a little bit better. Um, but uh, you know, it's not like I, it's not four deep of top ten, top ten picks or anything like that for sure. Yeah, and uh, the, you know, I, I will go with you on the Watson thing. Uh, you know, I loved everything about him. I was a little concerned. Uh, I will, you know, hedge my bet here, where I said any concerns you have, put him in Houston, where there's eight games at home in a dome. You play at Indy every year in a dome. You play in Jacksonville in the sunshine. Tennessee usually going to get dr- put him in a situation, you know, which was best going to suit him. And obviously, it looked really good until you know the unfortunate 
you know, injury, obviously, a couple weeks ago. Um, if you are Cleveland, um, do you go free agent route to even entertain it? Or do you say, I've got one. I'm taking another one. I don't care how many quarterbacks I'm going to put in that building. I'm going to take as many till I get it right. Oh, I mean, they, if you think so, if you think about these aging quarterbacks, I guess you're thinking about Kirk Cousins, Alex Smith, and uh, Tyrod Taylor. Sure. I think I think what you need to do, your Cleveland, with, with this environment, is go the rookie route on this and get your your guy uh, that you can build around. Now, if you go and add a veteran like any one of those three, I think the expectations get really skewed. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Cleveland's a quarterback away. And those guys are all kind of pushing 30 or a, over 30. So I just, you know, it doesn't make sense to me to get it that to pay that type of money for a quarterback and not take advantage of the opportunity that they're going to have right at number one to pull the trigger on, you know, a Josh Rosen, to be honest with you, who I think would be a, a great candidate to build around. And, and you get the right coach with him. And, you know, he he's beautiful in terms of his mechanics, his ability to see the field, his ability to test coverage, his accuracy in his arm. You know, I, I don't I don't think you pass on that for, you know, some of these guys that are, you know, pushing the other side of 30. Yeah, and I think the thing with Josh Rosen, and, you know, obviously he's got a little bit of, you know, like edge to him off, off the field because he's a tremendously smart kid. He carries his opinions high. I think that's a guy that Cleveland embraces. Um, he may not do well in a major city of New York, you know, obviously, you know, wearing the, you know, the Trump, the anti-Trump hat golfing. That you know, in a bigger city, that's not going to play as well. But in a place like Cleveland, where man, look, we'll take we'll take you with any flaw you got, but you better come here one hundred percent. And this is what I'm learning about the Cleveland fan base. And I'll tell you right now, if it end, if it ends this way, you know, if I'm Josh Rosen, just pack your bags, dude. I mean, you ain't got to work out, you ain't got to go to the combine, you ain't got to do a pro day, dude. Just take your stuff and move to Cleveland. Uh, we're gonna move on here, though. Uh, you know, Jeff, go ahead. Jeff, jump in. Yeah, I was gonna say on uh, one thing. I want to say on that because. You know, his personality and his kind of his ego is, is not unlike other great quarterbacks. Like, like watch Phillip Rivers, watch Aaron Rodgers, watch it. Tom Brady, watch Andrew Luck, man. Those, that's how those guys act. The, the alpha male, you know, like, hey, I'm the, I'm the baddest dude in the room. You know what I mean? Like, I, and that's, that's important. That's, that's good. That's a good thing about it. You know, and I think it's often twisted to be some type of negative on Rosen, but because he's got a, Got a big personality where you know he's he, he's the you know he wants to be the guy and, and has that that fiery mentality man that's what the best quarterbacks have that Dan Marino anybody exactly I mean you know and the other thing is is you know you need to, in order to have the stones on third and th- uh, third and thirteen to drill a skinny post between two defensive backs those are the stones I mean you just either have that or you're not and you want to know what you have it all the time in your life in anything you do and I got to tell you Rosen didn't start this year out as one for me. But, you know, each time I watched, I mean, he – I mean, these guys can throw the football, and then there's Josh Rosen throwing the football, and it, it's just it's just goddamn gorgeous. Uh, I want to get to running backs. Uh, I do not see Crowell staying here. Uh, I think they're kind of just running him into the ground. I think if they were to kept him by now, they would have signed him by now. Uh, Duke Johnson, obviously, this regime and Hugh, they have no idea what they want to do with Duke Johnson. Someone's got to be added. Uh, the running back class, are we looking at another good haul of 17? And give me a couple of Joe Marino favorites. Yeah, I think you've got four guys right off the bat that I think can be 
high-back workhorses. Obviously, Saquon Barkley right there at the top, but uh, Darius Geis is a really fun football player. A lot of balance, a lot of elusiveness, a lot of power to him. Ronald Jones, man, that dude's got some powerful legs. He's fairly explosive. The U.S. running back, maybe Alabama, who is uh, just a methodical, smooth back that makes good cuts and, and has some physicality to him. So in those four guys, I think you have a really nice opportunity to get a feature back. Uh, you probably need to take Barkley or Geis in the top 15, and then you're looking at about the top 40 for Jones and Harris, in my opinion, right now. Sonny Michelle is another guy not to sleep on. The Georgia, uh, one of the Georgia talented backs, you know, he's got a lot of power, juice, wiggle. Uh, I love the way he deals with tacklers with physicality, and he he works directly well. And then Nick Chubb, who you know his his duo over there in that Georgia backfield, who's really bounced back from his his 2015 end of the season injury uh we we didn't see the same burst in 2016 but i think it's all back this year and and he's a guy that's uh you know kind of that second tier type of you know potential starter i think you can get a lot out of him so yeah this is a good running back class just like i kind of always think it is and uh you know those are the kind of kind of guys that i think about as the guys that can be your number one guy uh right right now with this with this class and it's kind of funny, though, because you see with Georgia and you see with some of these other schools now, uh, they're starting to you know deploy their running back position the way the NFL teams do. It's not one name. It's three names. And we're going to use you in what you do best. We're going to use you in what you do best. We're going to use you in what you do best. And, you know, you see it, Georgia, and you're starting to see it a little bit more, more all over the country. And it's actually funny because one of the guys did want to know about Sony Michelle. So it's actually funny that you hit on him. But no, plenty of running backs here, uh, you know, and obviously, you know, Browns today are looking at six of the top 65 picks. I mean, you want one early, you want one second round, you want one late second round. I mean, it's all over the board, and it's a great spot for them to be in. Uh, I'm going to flip over to the defense here a little bit, Joe. Uh, Greg Williams is in dire need, and, you know, whether or not Greg stays, uh, I know they really want Greg to stay. Uh, you know, there was some talk, the reason that Hugh was not let go was because they didn't want to make Greg interim coach and then put him in a tough position of trying to ask him to come back as defensive coordinator. I think they love him with this defense, and it shows the kids are playing well. He needs a traditional free safety who's got some coverage skills. You know, I feel bad. Jabril Peppers has played well the last couple of weeks in that role. It's not what he was ever intended to do. That still needs to be addressed. Is there someone or a couple guys in this class who can be a traditional old-school center field free safety type? Yeah, there's two that I like. Uh, first one, Pitsy Gordon Whitehead. Uh, he's a guy with a ton of range. I think he's going to test really, really well. He's explosive. You see him on the field. I saw Pitt twice live and in person this year, and that dude's just springy the way that he runs. I cover a lot of ground. He's got really nice ball skills in the game that I was at against Duke. I mean, he basically won that game with a with an interception at the end right when Duke was uh, trying to tie up the game. But he, he pairs that, that center field ability, that ball hawking mentality with range, and he's also physicality to him. This is a guy that's willing to come down his and tackle and be that you know that last line of, of defense and and stop people. Uh, so you know I think number one he does have range. Uh, he, I think he needs to pick up a little bit more on his ability to diagnose route combinations. I think that's something that can come because he's got the physical ability to cover a lot of ground and make plays on the ball. The other guy that's intriguing to me is out of Texas A and M, Armani Watts. Uh, he's a player that. Probably has better ball skills than Jordan Whitehead, but not quite the athlete. Now, he's not a bad athlete, but I think he's a tick below uh, Jordan Whitehead. 
Uh, Watts is probably not as good of a tackler as Whitehead. So there's some give and take with the two. Watts in terms of you know, his ability to play the football, you know, in all directions, coming forward over his shoulder, you know, breaking on it in any direction. I think he really offers that. He's made some big-time plays at the end of games to, to win them for Texas, A&M, Texas A&M as well over the last couple of years. So those are my two favorite true free safety center field type guys, and neither one would be a nice fit for uh, for Cleveland. Where, where, where are we targeting? Second round? Yeah, I think those are probably going to be second-round type guys. Um, yeah, I think that's probably their sweet spot. Okay, so you know it leaves open the option of quarterback at one for all you Cleveland fans. It leaves open that Houston pick, which could be five, six, seven, eight, whatever. I mean, could almost go carte blanche that way. Um, cornerback position, uh, Jason McCourty was brought in here. You know, obviously after they moved on from Joe Hayden, uh, he's played outstanding. Uh, does have another year on his contract, so obviously a future number one quarterback. Cornerback is in the offing. Uh, there's some guys in this class I do like. Uh, you know. My Florida State guys, it's been a tough year for all of them. I think they're going to get dinged a little bit because of you know, the overall program success. And I think some of the guys lost their luster and didn't ball out the way they needed to. But uh, give me a couple names here because they're going to need a future one out of this group. Yeah, two guys that I like right now. And I love Tavares McFadden, man, coming into the season. But he's not the same player I watched on tape last year. The two guys that I think have played the best season and, and project as those number one corners in the NFL are, are both out of the Big Ten, honestly. Josh Jackson from us just exploded onto the scene with coverage and he's willing to hit. Uh, love the package there. I actually wrote about him for AndyTScouting.com fairly recently. And then Denzel Wolf out of Ohio State, who looks like looks like a number one corner. He's very sticky. He, he's a guy that can remain in phase with anybody. A real life balance he is. Uh, he's got some physicality to you know mix it up the catch point and tackle as well. Uh, but in terms of his ability to kind of compete at the catch point with an alpha mentality, I love it. Love what he offers. And so those two guys right there, if I'm needing to get a number one corner, that's where my eyes go. Okay, guys, uh, we're going to continue forward with Joe Marino here today. Uh, obviously, on Draft Thursdays, uh, you know, I always mention you guys should go check out uh, John Ledyard and Trevor Sakama. Uh, if you guys recall, uh, a duo of Kyle Krebs and Joe Marino used to handle, obviously, the Lockdown Draft for the Lockdown Network. Obviously, they've moved on to, you know, obviously their own thing, you know, another avenue. But John and Trevor taking that show over. They do really well with it. So, guys, uh, always check out Locked On draft. Joe, a couple more needs we have here. Um, I'll go back to it. Um, you know, and this is one that everyone keeps bringing up. And, you know, everybody's so excited that Josh Gordon's coming back. And look, that's fantastic. The guy has more than paid his dues. His crimes were only to himself, unlike a lot of guys who play on Sundays. But Corey Coleman, obviously, ha- you know, st- looks good when he plays, but he's had the injury bug. There's going to need to be a wide receiver added here. And, you know, these guys, you just can't. First off, you cannot rely on Josh Gordon whatsoever. Corey Coleman does bring a little bit of a hit of the uh, the injury factor. So uh, a couple wide receivers here. Uh, might need a slot guy. You might need a big outside vertical guy. So what you got? Yeah, you know, I think the, the premier receiver in this draft is Calvin Ridley out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Love how he's grown as a player, right? So you you watch these guys and you see year to year growth that's evident. 
And you see that from Calvin Ridley, especially this year with his route running, his ability to change directions and cut on the dime and run smooth, sharp routes. Love it. He's really taken the next step. He's always had pretty good hands and ball skills. Uh, so he's kind of the guy, right? If I'm going to take a, quarter, a wide receiver in the first round, that's where my eyes go. Now, the next group of wide receivers, it's like, all right, well, what do you want? You want one of the big catch point guys? Uh, we've got him in Auden Tate, Florida State, Semi Cobbs, Indiana, uh-huh. Allen Lazard from Iowa State, Marcel Aitman, Oklahoma State. I mean, there's the big dudes. If you want the big body catch radius guys, you've got him. If you want the the jitterbug, you know, the, the speed guys, some guys that can kind of stretch things vertically, you got guys like Christian Kirk and Anthony Miller, Michael Gallup. I mean, it's even Deion Kane has, you know, even more so last year, he had that vertical element. And then if you're just looking for kind of those savvy guys that, you know, maybe don't have the most dominant physical skills, but are going to be reliable receivers, you know, Dante Pettis out of Washington and James Washington out of Oklahoma state. I mean, it's, it really kind of depends on what type of receiver you want because this, this class has a variety, but in terms of the elite talents, you're not going to get a Julio Jones, uh, or, or a AJ Green type guy in this year's draft. It's just not something that's available. But if you're looking for, you know, a, a niche type guy, you can get him. But you know, how valuable is that? That's not something you talk about in the first round. Uh, so you know, you, you kind of look at the depth of the class and feel like you know you can get guys that can fill roles, you know, throughout the first few rounds. Yeah, and the thing with Ridley and what I keep coming back to with uh, with him is the route running is exceptional, but once the head turns, the hands turn. That the hands are in triangle position at his belly button. He's ready for a low ball. He's ready for it high. He's ready for it away. And, you know, in, as the wide receiver position grows, these guys are such ridiculous athletes. A lot of times the fundamental, fundamentals of the position are forgotten. And Calvin Ridley, look, he, he does everything well, and he is, you know, ridiculous. obviously he's a ridiculous athlete playing at Alabama. But it's nice to see a guy still focus on the correct way to do it. It just makes things so much easier. Uh, he's a pleasure to watch. And I, I agree. I, I think he is the number one wide receiver in this group. I don't think there's much of an argument. I don't think it's very close after that. Um, before we let you go here, Joe, uh, one other thing. Uh, look, obviously, Miles Garrett, as fantastic as he is, pure stud. Emmanuel Ogba on the other side is true, has shown to maybe that they're going to be a perfect pairing. One is strong in the run. Garrett is an absolute beast in the pass rush game. You know, Ogba will benefit off of that. But when you have the capital that the Cleveland Browns have, and I'm talking 12 draft choices, I'm talking darn near 90 million in cap space, you've got to, uh, you know, you cannot, you take a pass rusher just because you can. Uh, I, I want a couple of names. I know who Kyle mentioned. I, I want to see if it's funny if you bring up the same guy. I just want, give me an Elvis Doomerville type, a guy where I don't care. What else, you run game, that's not what I'm looking for. I want to know if I put him in in second and 10, third and 12, he can pin his ear back and get the job done. Yeah, give me Harold Landry out of Boston College. This is a, a dude who can really corner the edge. He reduces the surface area well. He can get underneath hands and really apply pressure consistently. I mean, Ogbanya Okoronku from Oklahoma there is intriguing. Is. He's an intriguing <laughs> guy too, but I don't think he's – I, he's not on the same tier as Landry. No, for me. no, no. So uh, those are the two guys that, hey, just you know, turn them loose on the edge and tell them to go get the quarterback, man. That, those are the guys that I want. Um, you know, like there's always like, you know, with a couple of prospects, there's just guys where you remember one game and you, like you can just, you know, you can go back to it over and over. What, what Landry did to Florida State in 2016, mm. I mean – I mean, it was damn near, you know, damn near an arrestable offense because he beat up every single guy in it. Lost the game, but I mean, you know, everyone else in Boston College, 
you know, this should have walked back to Boston. He should have, you know, taken a private jet. Uh, Joe, uh, your Bills, what's going on? Uh, you know, you went to Peterman. You went to Peterman for the one game. I mean, I feel terrible for the kid because, I mean, you don't ever want to see any rookie debut like that. What's your feeling for the future for your Bills? Well, specifically on the Peterman situation, it's it's not a popular decision to to play him, right? Because Tyrod Taylor is so respected and he's done very well. It was um, odd also because of the record. I mean, it was. Yeah. It's not like you. It, it was all of a sudden. All right, turn the lights out. The season's over. It was. I mean, it was crazy how they went about it. Yeah, but so some of the consistency wasn't there with, you know, it was just three and out after three and out. Tyrod is not a guy that throws with a lot of anticipation uh, or, you know, does a lot of things where he reads coverages and understands, you know, where the football is supposed to go against him. You know, he's more of he's a little bit more of a freelance or a point and shoot guy. He does what he does and what he does is very good, but he didn't win in the way that offensive coordinator Rick Dennison wanted him to. Well, Nate Peterman is that methodical drop back passer, you know, that's going to read layers of coverages and understand where to go with the football. Well, problem is he wasn't ready. And, and that was very apparent with, you know, five interceptions and 14 attempts. I mean, it's just an embarrassing outing. Uh, so, you know, the decision was for a half. Sean McDermott moved on. He corrected it. Hopefully Buffalo ends their 17 year playoff skid uh, regardless. But um, yeah, you look at this team. I, so, I mean, get beyond that, right? If you said the Bills were 6-5 and five going into Week 12 before the season, everybody and their mother would have taken that, right? This team has played out of their mind. They've overachieved tremendously for their talent level. And I think that is a testament to Sean McDermott and, and his process and his system and, and how he gets the most out of his players. Now, unfortunately, the Bills, are only, they only have their chin above the bar talent-wise. Now, you get this guy a roster. With, with actual talent. Now, some of that's by their own choice, right? They want their good boys in their locker room. So they went, went ahead and got rid of a bunch of really talented football players because, you know, they weren't buy-in, you know, all the way gung-ho Sean McDermott process guys. But when you can get Sean McDermott 50, 53 of his guys, you know, that fit his mentality and have talent at the level of a Tredavious White or, you know, along those lines, those types of players. You know, I really, I'm really excited about what Sean McDermott can do for this football team. Uh, you know, it just it, it, the worst thing Buffalo could have done, honestly, was start the year five and two because it, I think it created this expectation that even Sean McDermott, in his most honest moment, wouldn't wouldn't have having expected. And, and so uh, it's it's taken it's evolved a bit, right? It's it's been a weird year. But Buffalo is still very much in contention. They're tied with Baltimore for the sixth seed. Uh, they, they've got a couple tough games against the Patriots coming up, but they got two games against the Dolphins and one against the Colts. So you figure if you can get to nine and seven, and and you got a chance. And so Buffalo having a chance this year is more than I anticipated from them. And I, I'm pretty optimistic about what the future looks like with Sean McDermott. Quarterback situation is going to be awfully interesting to monitor. You know what happens with Tyrod Taylor? He's got a uh, he's got an option for next year that that kicks in and triggers I think two additional years or you know does Buffalo feel like uh, they, they have a guy in the draft that they want to get and move on from Tyrod Taylor or is Buffalo a place where Kirk Cousins goes which would be a perfect marriage for what Rick Dennison wants to do on offense and and what Kirk Cousins does well he'd be a slam dunk fit and obviously he's not going to be back in Washington you have to think Buffalo would make a strong 
strong push for him because I thought he was going to San Francisco for the same reasons. Well, now yeah. they've got Garoppolo. It opens up the, the Kirk Cousins market. I could see very much Buffalo being a landing spot. So uh, there's a lot to be excited about. Now they need to make, make important decisions, just like Cleveland. Buffalo has a ton of draft capital, and uh, yes, you know, they, they, need, they need to hit. They need to get their guys, but uh, this is a really strong class. So if last year's any indication to be able to get a Tredavious White, who's a number one cornerback, Deion Dawkins looks like he's going to be a very solid left tackle. You've got uh, Matt Milano, who looks like he could be a solid linebacker. Zay Jones is de- developing into a solid number two receiver. There's already been a lot of return on investment. So if you can start stacking those classes with guys that fit Sean McDermott and, and what he wants to build them in terms of a philosophy and guys that are just grinders, man, uh, you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll be able to watch my Bills play football games in January. Uh, and you know what's funny is, you know, me and you, you know, as you know, the Jets fan that I was born and the Bills, fan, I we've been talking for it feels like five years. Just got to be ready for that year when Tom Brady hangs it up. Just got to be Jesus. ready for that year Tom Brady hangs it up. Dude is damn near my age and still out there playing. Uh, just one other thing, Joe, before you go. Now, I, I you were all over the ACC this year. Um, you know, obviously, tons of games down there. Um, talk a little bit about the game day experience. You know some, you know mm. some things you got to see by being in house. And you know me, I'm an ACC guy at heart. Yeah, yeah, it's been an awesome year. I hit the road for 12 ACC games. I saw all but two ACC teams live. Who do we miss? Uh, Who do we miss? We miss Clemson and we miss Boston College. That's okay. it. That's the only two. And 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 uh, you know, look, if I can. We'll see how the bowl games go. I have a couple of bowl games that I'll be at. I might be able to hit both of those schools. Uh, but, yeah, I've got a ton of exposure to this conference. And, you know, the game day experience has just been awesome this year. It's something that I've added to my coverage of this uh, the NFL draft is by going to universities and making a ton of trips. I, I hit up all those schools, and I also hit up uh, Georgia uh, this, this summer as well. So I've been, I've, been, I've been to probably 14 universities this uh, in the last six months. And so what it really is is a unique opportunity to – to talk to people, you know, you, you get around everybody that's around the program, everybody that's around these players on a daily basis, you know, the guys that, uh, you know, their weight room guys and, and the guys who are equipment people and trainers. And, you know, I spend a lot of time talking to those people more than I do the players. Now I like to kind of get a firsthand feel for these guys and how they you know, interact with each other and how they respond to questions and just how, you know, who they are. But you learn a lot about these players by talking to people about them. And, you know, it seems like people are pretty honest when they when they speak with you. And so it's a lot of fun to kind of pick people's brains and, and hear from, from the guys that are around these guys every day, uh, uh, you know, what they think about these guys. And I think that's going to be a great layer to my scouting process this year because the one thing that's really been missing uh, just is, is, is the human piece of it, right? And I don't get to meet everybody, and I still won't. But I'm closing the gap, right? I've seen, you know, dozens and dozens of prospects this year and, and I'll see even more as the process goes along with you know the all-star circuit pro days and things like that but trying to get a chance to get more of the human element into my scouting process to couple with you know the data uh, the data collection and the film work which is always you know always king but uh, just trying to just trying to be as well-rounded as I can with with my work and, and that way I can bring people the best draft coverage that I can and uh, bring a lot of crowd credibility to my scouting portfolio which is on sale every year. Now, see, and that's actually great because, you know, Kyle hit on that, too. And that's, you know, one of the things we always talk about, all of these guys, all of us who, you know, cover this and are into it is there's usually two things we're not privy to. It's medicals and, you know, obviously the interview process. Now, but you and Kyle have found a way to kind of circumnavigate that. You go to the schools. You know the people who know these guys. 
And if you get a, huh, when you ask about somebody, that's kind of all you need to know. If somebody's going to bend your ear for three minutes, then you know that's the kid that gets up at 8 a.m. on a Sunday to go do something he's asked to do to represent in the university. Joe, I thank you so much for the time. You, Kyle, look, first of all, I cannot tell you how proud I am of you guys. What you've done over the last few years, the work you're putting in, it, it, it's outstanding. I couldn't be happier for you all. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Really appreciate it. It's glad to. It's good to see you back in the grind. Uh, uh, it's it yeah. was it was too long away, but you know there were you know I was needed. Uh, you know, over the last year and a half, you know, my, I saw my father-in-law get sick with cancer. My you know my wife needed to go take care of him. He was a single man. Um, we did lose him about a year ago, but this opportunity came and the juices were overflowing. And when I live with a wife and two daughters, nobody here is concerned about whether or not the wide receiver two at LSU is a potential day three pick. So I had to find some avenue to get back in it before they all ran away and left me. But Joe, love you, bud. All the best to you guys. Locked on Browns, episode 124. Uh, yeah, I'm going to cut this up. and I'll have it out shortly. Joe, thanks so much, buddy. All right, Jeff. Thank you.